You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back with another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, and we return with our end of the week episode, our Purple Friday episode. And as is our tradition, Matthew Stevens is back with us today. Matthew, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's it's nice to get uh, guys back in the facility, even if they're not putting on pads and, and hitting each other yet. It's nice to have a return to football for like real this time. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there's progress is, is, you know, we've talked about over the last few weeks and while padded practices won't happen for a few more weeks, you're, you're right. Getting the guys in the facilities, getting them tested and making sure everything's a okay before they go out there and go and hit each other in pads. That's going to be really, really important. But Matthew, there's a lot for us to talk about today because we have had some NFL news. And with that NFL news, you know, it comes with press conferences. The guys are back in the facility and they are conducting more press conferences. We have Lamar Jackson to talk about here. And we'll talk about John Harbaugh's press conference in the second segment. But let's start off with Lamar Jackson and kind of dive into some things that he said. And one of the first things that caught my eye was what he had to say about his teammate Marquise Brown. He said, quote, I feel like he's going to make a huge leap, a huge jump more than people think. He's a lot faster with that foot 100 percent, end quote. And Matthew, we've talked so much about how Hollywood Brown is going to light the league on fire. But doesn't it make you feel just a little bit better? Lamar Jackson feels the same way. Absolutely. I mean, I, I will say this: Lamar probably wasn't going to go into that uh, into that press conference, and even if Marquise Brown was just terrible, go man, Marquise sucks. Um, he's a very you know uh, uh, humble guy in that regard. But uh, it, it is kind of nice to get your quarterback to go. Man, I'm really excited for what we have possibility to do. I really like that my top guy is healthy finally that he was fast last year he's faster this year that he's gonna be able to do big things we're gonna see him take a jump um and and more importantly the some of the way that the ways that he phrased those things were my guys this is gonna happen uh, uh you know he took that that leadership role from a spoken standpoint which is something that uh I, I think is super, super important for Lamar Jackson this year, uh, just in the way, again, he spoke about his offense and his team and his guys. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, his guys. And I think that, you know, with this team so tight-knit, with so many people coming back, we've talked about continuity all offseason, and I think this team has so much of it and so much depth at that. But, you know, while we're on the topic of the Browns, Matthew, I know this is you're, you're going to enjoy talking about this one. <laughs> Lamar Jackson did stir up some controversy by saying that he has spoken to team officials about Antonio Brown and John Harbaugh said some stuff about Antonio Brown, so we'll get into what he said in the second segment. But Lamar Jackson is still banging the table for Antonio Brown. I mean, is, is there any way, Matthew? I know if it's probably, this is probably the 80th time I've asked you this question. <laughs> but is there any way at all? Because Lamar Jackson is not giving up, so I'm not going to give up asking the question. Is there any way Antonio Brown is in a Ravens uniform in 2020? I mean, I, I, I wouldn't uh, – here, here's the thing. There's probably a recording of me going, it's never going to happen. Um, so now that I'm going to say, like, well, I mean, it could. It could happen. Um, I'll never really discount something 100% because teams do what teams do. But that being said is, you know, Baltimore has taken a very, very straightforward stance 
uh, about domestic violence and about sexual assault and about those types of, of off-field activities uh, since the Ray Rice issue. You know, uh, Antonio Brown, you know, is currently under vest- investigation for those types of things. Uh, and, and as of right now, and, and I know we'll get into this with what Harbaugh said, but, you know, the league doesn't even entirely know what's happening with Antonio Brown. I mean, he, he's retired like 17 times this offseason. Uh, he, he's, he's, I mean, he's, he's retired more than Michael Jordan has throughout his career. Um, and at the same time, the, the league hasn't really kind of given an update on where the investigation is and, and what they're going to do with him overall. And I know we've talked about that a million times, you know, Antonio Brown could be suspended. He could be straight up suspended for the entire year. Uh, we're kind of in some level of unprecedented times with this, uh, because, no one's really kind of gone this far off the wall, this public for this long. Um, and the fact that, you know, despite being as talented as he has, teams are going to be sniffing around, but no one's put the, the, the ink on the paper yet with Antonio Brown. I think that speaks volumes about what, how the Ravens feel about him and about how 31 other teams feel about Antonio Brown right now. Uh, it, it's tough, but at the same time, you got a franchise quarterback, a guy who could potentially be a half a billion dollar man uh, soon enough. And when that guy says, I want this guy, you know, the, the, the team might not have too much leverage to be able to go, yeah, that's never going to happen. Um, we've seen other franchises certainly give in to those types of demands in the past, whether the Ravens kind of backtrack off of their record with uh, off-field activities uh, and punishments, or if they they kind of just stick to it and go, yeah, that, that guy's never going to be on this team, but they're never going to say it out loud because it's just not the type of team they are. Yeah, and it, it's so interesting because, you're right, Antonio Brown, the player, is phenomenal. You know, on the field, you cannot understate how talented he is. But you're right, the NFL, I mean, he's, he's going to get suspended for, you know, at least a chunk of the season in 2020. So you have to take that into account as well. But Lamar Jackson actually went as far as saying that he's the type of guy the Ravens need in their locker room and that the Ravens locker room is different. And Matthew, when you look at Antonio Brown, you know, we've talked about him as a distraction before, but it, it's interesting to hear that opinion from Lamar Jackson. Do you agree with that sentiment? Is there any chance that Antonio Brown would have his career turn around in Baltimore? Is there any chance at all? I, you know, it's tough because Baltimore certainly does have a special locker room. You, you've got a great head coach in John Harbaugh, uh, just, you know, one coach of the year, uh, ha, has certainly kind of brought along this franchise over the last handful of years, uh, you know, nearly two, uh, a little over a decade now. Um, you know, so, so he carries a little bit of weight there. You got a lot of veteran leaders that aren't going to put up with that type of stuff. Uh, that being said is, Mike Tomlin with the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, had a hold of Mike uh, had a hold of Antonio Brown, and we saw how that turned out. Now, granted, uh, all credit to Mike Tomlin for being able to keep a lid on that as long as he did, uh, and, and be able to make things kind of work out. But you know, we we heard some of the stories about Tomlin maybe kind of just letting Antonio Brown be Antonio Brown, get a little special treatment because otherwise it was just going to be a problem. That's not going to fly here in Baltimore. Uh, And and then Antonio Brown went over to the Oakland Raiders. That was a disaster from the beginning to the end. And they gave him the longest leash possible uh, to the point where, you know, he even talked about trying to fight the GM before they were like, all right, well, maybe you're not right here. And and then ended up going on to the New England Patriots. And again, if you fail with the New England Patriots, there's a problem. There's something wrong. If they need to get rid of you, uh, despite your talent, 
you know it's bad. Uh, and again, when I look at three franchises that said, you know what, I don't care how talented you are, just get, go, leave, please, don't ever come back. Um, that speaks volumes about what he is and who he is as a player. Uh, and I don't care how great Baltimore's locker room is, that guy seems to, to, to rise above all that type of stuff. Now, that being said is, you know, if, again, if Lamar Jackson's willing to kind of vouch for the guy, if Lamar Jackson's willing to go like, look, I'm the franchise quarterback, you guys are going to pay me $500 million soon enough, uh, I want this guy, and you're not going to tell me no. You know, Baltimore might go, all right, man, you know, it, it, it's it's on you then. It's That's your offense. You keep him in line, because if he's not, well, he's going to be gone, and I don't care how you like it. Um but that just seems like it's opening themselves up for, for that type of a discussion. And, and once you're there with your franchise quarterback, it's kind of hard to return from. So uh, could he? Yeah. Uh, will he? I, I Again, it would seemingly go against everything Baltimore has ever done with these types of players. Yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, they just have this culture and that culture has been there really ever since the Ray Rice thing. And I think they they don't want to move away from that. And again, we'll get into what John Harbaugh said in a few minutes in our second segment. But I just it's it's difficult because the the Ravens locker room is something special. And I think that if there is a place Antonio Brown could turn it around, it's in Baltimore surrounded by the veteran leadership that maybe he still needs as a veteran. So it's interesting. It's an interesting topic. And I mean, we'll see is, is I guess all I can say right now. But my last quote I want to get into with Lamar Jackson, Matthew, before we head into our first break is that Jackson said that one of his primary focuses this off season was, you know, the down the field deep passes and also those outbreaking routes. And he wants those to be a bigger part of the offense this season. So Matthew, when you look at this Baltimore offense, offense do you think that the Ravens are going to prioritize some of those deep passes a little bit more and then also kind of breaking off of that question what about more trick plays like screens to Hollywood Brown reverses what about those well when we start talking about the deep ball I think we look back to last year uh, and Baltimore made it a priority to ensure that that Lamar Jackson was a quarterback that he really made that statement Uh, if that's kind of the the philosophy they have is uh, you know we're going to work on something and then we're going to make sure everyone knows from week one on that we're capable of this. I, I would not doubt that Baltimore is going to just bomb it all week one. Um, and just just take it to the Cleveland Browns every single time they're on the field. Again, if they go with what they've done in the past, and, and history kind of says that they might, um, that that's kind of a big thing. But I, I'll, I'll say this, you know, Touchdown Wire's uh, Doug Farrar did a, a closer look at the best deep ball passers in the league. Lamar Jackson uh, was was on that list. Lamar's a lot better at throwing the deep ball than than even gives himself credit for. That being said, is they did discon- uh, they did have a disconnect uh, a handful of times, especially between uh, him and Marquise Brown on on some things, just drop passes, things just being you know a hair off. And and when you're talking about a ball that's getting you know thrown 30, 40, 50, 60 yards uh, through the air, a, a millimeter in your your delivery is feet by the time it actually gets there. So it's small adjustments that really need to be made, but uh, it's part of the evolution that is going to be Lamar Jackson's game. And if he wants to become, uh, you know, one of the best in in the league and be considered that across the board by everyone, 
you know, he's going to have to go ahead and connect on those deep balls. He's going to have to be a little bit better there. And again, it, it, that all that stuff is going to kind of cycle down to his intermediate passes, to his out passes, to his inside passes, to the short dump offs, all those things by correcting the mechanics and, and making sure that their pinpoint, all of those things, his game is going to get better uh, across the board. So I think it's a positive thing. Uh, and, and I hope we see it certainly again, week one against the Cleveland Browns. It'd be great if he throws 10 passes and we're talking about like seven touchdowns, that would be awesome. Uh, I'd be tickled pink, but as far as any more trick plays, I, th- this offseason is going to be a little bit of a weird one. Obviously uh, you have no in-person mini camps. You got everything being digital. Initially, you've got a very long lead up into training camp is uh, the ramp up period. It got, got extended uh, through the NFL and uh, NFL player association negotiations they had going on. Uh, and then you don't have preseason games. So it, they're going to be kind of having to do a lot of this stuff in practice and, and, and really cram ultimately several months worth of practice and, and learning the playbook and adjustments and things like that into a very short period of time. I don't know if this is necessarily the year to start drawing up a ton of new plays, uh, at least not early in the season, maybe later on as everyone kind of gets on the same page and things are moving forward and you, and you know what you're good at. Uh, and you know, in turn, what other teams are, are really starting to kind of either sit back and, and wait for those deep passes, or if they're going to come up on you and, and really try to force Jackson into some tough spots. Um, that's when maybe I'd expect this to see the, the the more gadget plays, the trick plays. But no, I mean, this offense really does seem to be, both from Lamar Jackson's comments uh, this offseason, as well as Greg Roman and even John Arbaugh, it really does seem like this is an offense that really is kind of transitioning into a more quote-unquote standard offense as Lamar just becomes a better quarterback and a, and a more uh, accurate and consistent passer. Yeah, the way that this Ravens offense is going to work in 2020, I mean, obviously they're going to expand the playbook and Lamar Jackson's game is going to improve as well, I think. But there are so many different options for Baltimore. We talked about the deep passes. We talked about the screen plays. There's so much that Baltimore can implement into their playbook. So I think this offense is going to be even more exciting than it was in 2019. It might not feel that way because, well, you know, going from a Joe Flacco-led offense to a Lamar Jackson-led offense, you know, was a lot more exciting right off the bat. But, I mean, he will still wow. The offense will still wow. And I think I think it's going to be a great year. We're going to head into our first break now. And when we get back, we're going to be getting into John Harbaugh's press conference talking about some things he had to say. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. But before we do that, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need through a traditional chain storefront. Wired off and pointless with seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts in his computer. Choosing another brand, his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there, how did you hear about us, box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com And we are back with our second segment of this Friday Locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Ostriker is still here with Matthew Stevens of Ravens Wire. And Matthew, we just got into what Lamar Jackson had to say during his press conference. But now, let's get into the head coach and talk about what John Harbaugh had to say. And the first thing that I want to get into here with you, Matthew, is 
John Harbaugh did acknowledge that the current climate has made it pretty difficult for Baltimore to bring in free agents and get information on them. And he, he thinks that's going to continue probably throughout, you know, the whole 2020 season. Now, for in my opinion, and I know we've talked about this before, Baltimore's roster is pretty set, but we've talked about these opt-outs a little bit, and we'll get into them a little later as well. With those two opt-outs and with Jacob Breeland not expected to play in 2020, do you think there's anyone the Ravens would maybe want to bring in for some veteran depth? Man, I, I think Baltimore is certainly going to keep their eyes out. Um, and, and I think if it's going to happen, it's going to be names that they already know. It's going to be guys they already feel really, really good about or have already had in. Um, simply because, and, and we've seen it already this offseason with Baltimore, you know, doing a really good job of retaining most of their own guys uh, outside of the few upgrades they needed to make uh, on the defensive line and, and at linebacker. They, they've pretty much kept the same unit as last year, largely speaking. And I think part of that is with this in mind that, hey, if we're bringing in a ton of guys, certainly in this offseason, in, in, in this weird uh, shortened offseason, that, that's just a recipe for disaster. All those new guys are going to have to learn faster than they're, they're happier with, and, and you're going to see sloppier play come the regular season, regardless of what's happening, much less from these new guys that, that have to go ahead and learn an entire playbook. So for Baltimore, if you're looking for, for free agents, and I'm sure, again, they, they are, it's going to be depth signings, it's going to be that type of stuff, just small tweaks here and there. You're looking for guys that you already know or, or already know you. And, and whether that be on offense, they've been with Greg Roman elsewhere, or they were on the practice squad at some point, or they, they had a few weeks with the team in training camp a year or two ago, those types of things. So that way, there's just not a huge acclimation period. You kind of get a little bit of that, you, you already know what's going on type of thing. Um, yeah, that, that would be my guess. If they're going to do it, um, that's where they're going to focus on. Because of exactly what you said there, Kevin. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the Ravens' mindset right now. Now, I wouldn't mind, you know, a Clay Matthews or a Delaney Walker, you know, someone who hasn't been with the team before but still provides a veteran presence. But, again, in, in this climate, who really knows, you know, how quickly they'll be able to pick up on the playbook? As you mentioned, they're not going to be happy with how little time they have to prepare with the amount of time they are going to have in pads. So, I mean, who knows with this whole thing, but maybe Baltimore will make a signing here or there, but I agree with you, Matthew. I think it might be somebody who they already are pretty familiar with. But the next point I want to get into here with you is with Jimmy Smith, the veteran cornerback, re-signed on a one-year deal to stay in Baltimore. But John Harbaugh said that, you know, they'll see as they go on how much Jimmy Smith is going to end up playing safety. But he ended up saying, quote, Jimmy's a corner. If he lines up at safety, it'll be for a reason, end quote. So for John Harbaugh, his stance on it is, look, we love Jimmy Smith as a player. He's versatile. But in the end, he's still a cornerback and still part of that rotation. So when you get down to it, Matthew, I know it's hard to tell right now. But how would you kind of see Jimmy Smith being used in this defense? Is it going to be more of a Brandon Carr role? Or do you think he's going to play primarily corner? I think uh, Jimmy's going to be kind of used as a floater. And, and Brandon Carr kind of did that over the last few years, really, uh, where you know he'll line up all over the secondary and, and play a, a variety of different roles based on what packages are out there and based on what lineups uh, they're, they're kind of going against each week. So... That'd be my guess is is kind of that weird hybrid role, but he's going to be primarily a, a cornerback unless they want to stick him at a unique spot. We saw that the same way with Matthew Judon last year, where all of a sudden dude's lining up in the middle of the field at inside linebacker, and you're like, hold up, that's not where you belong. It's confusing for the offense. It's something that's, that 
might get a, a team to to throw a timeout real quick uh, because they don't like you know they they don't know what to prepare for on that one. They don't know what to expect, where pressure is going to be coming from, where guys are going to be at. Uh, is this zone? Is this man? Is you know where where are guys going? That stuff tends to freak out teams who certainly wouldn't want to throw an interception against this Baltimore Ravens secondary. I think that's valuable. At the same time, yeah, you got two starting outside cornerbacks in in Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. Tavon Young's healthy. That's a big one. So you've got a good inside guy. Really, Jimmy Smith can now kind of just do everything. He's the guy that's been here the longest. Uh, he certainly should know everything. He certainly should know what everyone's supposed to do. So yeah, if he plays safety, if he plays inside cornerback, if he plays outside cornerback, if he even maybe dips down into linebacker from time to time, would not shock me at all. But a majority of his snaps are going to come at cornerback. Just where on the field is it going to be is, is the real big question. Yeah, I mean, I think Jimmy Smith is best used as a corner, and I think he will do some floating, as you mentioned, but the Ravens love that three-cornerback rotation, and now with Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, and Jimmy Smith all healthy, and with Tavon Young back as well, so Marlon Humphrey can move back to that boundary outside cornerback position, you know, his natural position, that's really, really important. So I think Jimmy Smith, again, will still primarily be used as a cornerback, just as you said. But Matthew, we're back, and we're back on Antonio Brown. So a great subject for us to talk about always, and we're always talking about it, so here we are again. And John Harbaugh said that he respects Lamar Jackson's opinion on Antonio Brown. He obviously knows that Lamar and Antonio Brown have been working out all offseason, and they got closer over that period of time. So he said, quote, we'll look into any and every player at all times. Antonio Brown is no exception. He also made the point of saying that he doesn't believe Antonio Brown is even available to sign right now, but he admits he could be wrong on that. So, I mean, the only question here, Matthew, is, is what's this window dressing? Are the Ravens really, you know, looking at any and every player at all times, including Antonio Brown? Or is this just something to say, look, we're not going to sign him. I'm tired of talking about it, but obviously you're not going to take that as an answer. So I'm just going to say this. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I um, the, the question he got asked at the time was a two-part question. I expected him to uh, suddenly forget the second part, which was Antonio Brown, um, and just answer just the first part and move on to the next person. We've seen that so far this offseason from this team. Uh, I believe it was Eric DaCosta who did that uh, previously. Uh, or asked a two-part, or was asked a two-part question. The second part was Antonio Brown, and up, oh, up, oh, I forgot about Antonio Brown. Didn't answer it. Um, I, I, I'm going to tell you, I think that this is simply window dressing. I think this is Baltimore giving the polite answer, an answer that that uh, maybe doesn't hurt his stock elsewhere. Maybe uh, you know Antonio Brown and his agent can go, hey, Baltimore is maybe interested and raise his price up a little bit, maybe knock off some guarantee or some some uh, uh, incentives and turn those into guarantees or, or, or change some language in a deal that he eventually signs if he eventually signs. Um, Baltimore's kind of had a tendency to do that with guys that they have some respect for. Um, but at the same time, you know, again, this is the millionth time that Baltimore has been asked this, whether it be a, a, the coaching staff, someone on the coaching staff or general manager, Eric DaCosta, they've been asked this a billion times. Um, this is the most polite version of the answer we've gotten to date, uh, which again, I think is telling. Uh, and, and the fact that John Harbaugh then tossed it back to Eric DaCosta and said, well, you know, uh, well, I'll have to get with Eric on that one and see if he's even eligible to be signed and what his status is, is totally one of those, the checks in the mail type of answers. As far as I'm concerned, 
certainly Baltimore could surprise everyone and sign him tomorrow. Um, but based on my history with John Harbaugh and, and the answers I know he's given, this very much seemed like an answer of, uh, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to give you a good quote. Yeah, I mean, that that's what it kind of felt like to me. And no matter how hard Lamar Jackson pounds that table, I think it all goes back to, you know, just the, the person that Antonio Brown has shown that he is. And, I mean, who knows? You know, a miracle could happen. He could sign in Baltimore, and he ultimate, ultimately becomes this really, really good team player. But I don't know if the Ravens want to take that risk and risk the culture that they've worked so hard to build. So, Matthew, I promise we're done with Antonio Brown for this episode. I, I, don't, I don't promise in future episodes we won't talk about it, but for now— we're done. And the next question I want to get into with you, or the next quote I want to get into, is the interior offensive line. He said that all the interior offensive line candidates are going to be moved around quite a bit and get reps at different spots. And Tyree Phillips was somebody who said that he could get some reps. You know, even though he's in the starting left guard mix, he could still get some reps at tackle. And I think that has to do more with Andre Smith opting out so when you look at this interior offensive line I know I've asked you this before too but looking at it now with DeAndre Smith opt-out do you see maybe a Tyree Phillips or DJ Fluker maybe factoring in more at tackle now certainly I mean I, I think they're gonna have to you know this was the one position that I I've been pointing out all offseason Baltimore didn't really address and while you have two all pros or, or two pro bowls uh guys at your your bookends your, your left and right tackle Man, if one of those guys goes down, you're you're suddenly in in some some deep water. Uh, and, and Ronnie Stanley has had some injury history uh, with his time here in the Ravens. Uh, the fact that Andre Smith went down, you know, you and I talked about it right beforehand. I'll be honest with you, Andre Smith couldn't start for the Cincinnati Bengals, and they were awful offensively, uh, and certainly on the offensive line. If he couldn't start on one of the worst offensive lines in the league, he wasn't going to start here either. But he was a veteran guy. He was a guy that um, you know just brings experience, which is what you want, especially at left tackle. It's going to hurt, but DJ Fluker is the other guy with the most experience now. Uh, and, and while Baltimore seemingly kind of has him pegged for right guard replacing Marshall Yonda, you know if things happen, we've seen them them reshuffle the entire offensive line before. And DJ Fluker would be my guess to to, to head out there. But Baltimore is going to give Tyree Phillips every chance to prove that he should be that guy as well. Uh, and certainly with Ronnie Stanley and then Orlando Brown, both kind of do up for contracts very, very soon. Baltimore might be looking at Tyree Phillips for, Hey, maybe in a year or two, you might be our starting tackle in some form because we want to save some cash. So it's not a bad thing to get him some reps there this off season anyway. Um, and see what you've got and see if you really do need to maybe go out and go get another guy who's, who's just a straight up tackle and, that's just what his job is going to be. It's going to be sitting behind uh, uh, Orlando Brown and Ronnie Stanley. Or if you feel good with the combination of Fluker and uh, maybe Ben Bredesen and, and Tyree Phillips and uh, you know some of the other guys that, that could potentially slide out to tackle, and, and you'll address it if something bad happens. Uh, again, that, that will have to be seen here in training camp, and it's one of the more exciting things, I think, if you're paying attention to training camp, one of the more exciting things to look at this year. Yeah, I mean, they have that depth on the interior, so if they needed a guy like a Tyree Phillips to move out to tackle, I know that wasn't their intention at first, but if they did need that, I think that they could, you know, make that a reality and have that happen for the year, and then next year when Andre Smith comes back or, or whatever happens, if they draft another tackle, that could be the plan for next year. 
We're going to head into our second break now. When we get back, we're going to be talking about the opt-outs happening both with the Ravens and around the league. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. And we are back with our final segment of this Purple Friday Locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Allstriker still hanging out here with Matthew Stevens of Ravens Wire, and we are back. We just talked about Lamar Jackson, and then we got into John Harbaugh. But now we're going to talk a little bit about the opt-outs that have been happening throughout the entire league over the past few days. And Matthew, I wanted to start off by asking you, we've seen a lot of guys opt out so far because of the coronavirus pandemic and the safety and the health of not only themselves, but their families and other people around them as well. With the number that we're at right now, is this more or less than you thought we're going to opt out for the NFL? Um. You know, I, I don't know if I actually had any real expectations for this, um, just simply because, you know, the, the, the players want to play. A lot of guys do want to play. And I'm kind of, I, I guess I am a little shocked that at the number of guys and certainly the, the higher end guys who decide, I'm going to sit out this year and I'll come back next year. Um, I, I guess I am shocked by that truly, but uh, I don't know if I really had any good expectations going into the season just because, man, it's, it's, it's such an unusual thing. You have no idea uh, what's going on at home and what maybe private uh, medical conditions these players have and, and, and how they might feel about that. And certainly, you know, if I'm a player, man, I'm, I'm, I'd think twice about it. I'd go, look, I, I can play next year. Um, do I really want to risk this? Do I feel like the league's going to do their job and, and keep everybody safe? Do I feel like the team I'm on? is going to do everything they need to do and keep everyone safe? Or are they going to maybe skirt some things in an effort to uh, maybe get an edge? Those things come in, in, into the equation, in, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, I, I guess I am shocked at the number and the, the high-profile guys that, that have opted out so far. Yeah, and, and I'll take that a step further. With, with the Ravens, we've seen two opt-outs so far. Were you expecting anyone from the Ravens to opt out? I know you just said you didn't have any expectations, but now looking back on it, were you expecting anybody from the team to opt out? Um, yeah, like I mentioned, I don't know if I had any expectations of any Ravens doing it. Um, I I kind of expected, I guess, if, if somebody was going to do it, it was going to be because of a medical condition more so than just being a little uneasy. And so far it looks like uh, uh, both DeAndre Thomas and Andre Smith opted out using the voluntary option instead of the high risk one. So it, it kind of points to uh, just not being comfortable uh, at the same time. Don't really fault them in any way, shape or form for doing that. So I'm happy that they decided to, that they made that decision. They talked to the people in their lives and went, football is not worth my health. Right. And, and that's again, totally their decision. And, and, you know, totally, totally respectable for those guys to do that. But we, we really got into Andre Smith a little bit in that last segment, Matthew, and, you know, with the backup tackle situation and all that. But looking at DeAnthony Thomas and his impact on this Ravens team, what his opt out means, at least. He was somebody who personally I wasn't expecting to make it out of training camp. I thought that he was brought back as somebody who knew the system, you know, was a camp body and ultimately was going to end up on the outside looking in. Did you have that inkling with the Anthony Thomas or did you think that he was a real, you know, almost locked to make the team? He was signed to uh, re-signed before the draft. Um, so Baltimore went, look, at least we've got this guy here. We know that he can be a, a return specialist. He was that last year. If we don't get around to drafting uh, somebody to do that job this year, then we know we've got it. He's costing us pennies, so even if we have to cut him, it's not the end of the world. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of side with you on this, that 
I, I haven't had him on any of my 53 roster, 53 man roster predictions thus far. Uh, I, I don't know why you would keep a guy that didn't really do anything offensively for you last year. I, I think if I'm uh, remembering it properly, I think he had like one offensive snap last year for Baltimore. So kind of points to he was never really a wide receiver. He was solely a return specialist. And if you're Baltimore, you've, you have depth needs elsewhere than to keep just a return specialist. Uh, I don't know why you would do that if you've got Willie Sneed, who who's, you've thrown back there before. Uh, you've got Prochet. You've got Duvernay. Uh, you even have potentially some cornerbacks that could go ahead and do it. Justice Hill is a guy who could do it. If you really want to get fancy, you've got Trace McSorley, who you know they, they, they threw out there uh, in practice last year at training camp and then talked a lot about how he, he could be a special teams player. You've you got a handful of guys who could do that and a job you don't really have the luxury of being able to go, cool, we're, we're going to keep you on here for what is effectively, hopefully, two, three, four, five, six returns a game tops. Um, that that would just be goofy. Yeah, and for Baltimore, you know, it'd be weird to, to keep him on the roster. And I don't think this opt-out has, you know, a ton of ramifications for this Ravens roster. But I think James Prochet is the biggest beneficiary. What do you think about his prospects, you know, of the returner job or winning it now? And, I mean, do you think the Ravens could bring in anybody off the street to maybe compete for the job? Well, again, I, I think you look at, um, you know, if you're going to bring someone in, it's going to have to be a guy who can do something else, who's going to win a roster spot elsewhere. You're not going to just keep a, a return specialist this year. They, they ran into headaches last year with not having enough depth on the defensive line. You're now going to be trying to replace Marshall Yonda. You potentially have new left guard, new center, new right guard. Uh, you've got a completely revamped defensive line. You've got two rookie uh, linebackers who are potentially starting. You didn't really do anything with outside linebacker. While this is a super deep team, you know, there, there are some concerns if a guy or two goes down you need the depth elsewhere. You're not going to just keep a return specialist. So I, I don't think they're going to be looking for anyone out there uh, unless someone ridiculously special comes along and, and, and that's your guy. That's your, you know, Devin Hester-esque type of a guy. That being said is, I mean, that, that guy doesn't exist right now. Uh, there's nobody out there that is just far and away the best return specialist in the league. And those guys typically don't come available all that often. And for super cheap, which is what Baltimore would have to have. So, no, I mean, I, I think it's they're gonna they're gonna throw a few guys into the mix in training camp. They're gonna make Prochet earn that job, but at the same time, it really seems like it's his to lose. If he starts putting balls on the ground, you're gonna see someone else in there. But even if he's just average at it, and, and all indications are he's gonna be above average at it, but even if he's just average at it, it's probably his job. Yeah, we, we know what happens when you put balls on the ground as a returner in this Baltimore Ravens special teams unit. It, it does not end well for you, but I think that Prochet, yeah, as you mentioned, he's going to have to earn it, but I do think it's ultimately going to be his job. But Matthew, that's all that I have for you today. Thank you so much once again for coming on the show. And when we talk next week again, we're going to be a week closer to those padded <laughs> practices and a week closer to football. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and we'll have a, a ton more press conferences to talk about as well as Baltimore kind of opens up some of their players and coaching staff uh, to us reporters and to be able to ask questions. So uh, hopefully more insight on what this season is going to bring.
Definitely. Maybe some more Antonio Brown speculation as well. <laughs> you you never know. But we're going to head into a two-day hiatus here on Locked on Ravens. And when we return on Monday, it's more Ravens talk from us. So stay tuned for that. And I will see you on Monday.